Just a heads up, everyone. This podcast features adults having adult conversations, and there might be the chance of adult language. Also, we may talk about some difficult grieving experiences and themes of mental distress that can trigger some people. If this conversation stirs up some hard emotions for you, please reach out to someone you trust. Hi, I'm Tatiana Rotere, and you are listening to Crazy Grief, the podcast. Grief can make us feel like we're going crazy. It affects our emotions, our physical health, and our mental state. It has a huge impact in the way we relate to people and the way we see ourselves. Crazy Grief is a safe space for us to have candid conversations about grief and all the crazy stuff that comes with it. We are here to share our stories, how we cope with grief, and what kind of help really helps. If you lost your person and you feel like you're going crazy, let me reassure you, you're not going crazy. You're just grieving. So let's talk about it. Hello, my darling friend. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Crazy Grief Podcast. So lately, I have not been very consistent in um, posting episodes. Part, part of that is because there is a lot going on in my life and also because I myself had been through some really intense grief waves that kind of came and just knocked me out really strongly. And I have learned that when those things happen, it's best to just surrender to the experience of the grief and, um, and allow myself the time to process it, the time to feel it, to understand what is it that is bringing my attention to. And just basically sometimes all I need to do is to sit and have a really good cry, reach out to some friends, give myself some time and some space so that I can come up for air and then resume some of the things in my life that I enjoy because those are important too. So here I am now with another episode um, I do have something very, very exciting to share. Um, not so much for the podcast, because it means that the podcast will be affected a little bit, and I'm not going to be posting episodes as often um, for the next few months. But basically, I got an amazing gig. Um, I'm shooting a TV series in Australia very shortly, and um, my bags are packed as I am recording this episode. And so what I wanted to do is to just give you the heads up that for a little while, um, it will be inconsistent. Um, if I get to post something, it will depend on how my schedule for shooting is. But I do plan to take some time off, you know, on my off days and um, create some other podcasts and post it for you guys. So this particular podcast is another solo cast, and one of the things that I wanted to talk about this time is about something that is has been really, really um, a tricky kind of uh, point for me, because it's something that I believe very deeply, but at the same time, 
I struggle with it because, of course, there is complexity in grief. Grief makes everything complex, doesn't it? Like things that we used to think were black and white before, once you experience the death of a loved one and all the intricacies and the complexities that come with it, nothing becomes black and white anymore. You can't fit those things into those categories any longer. At least I can't. So there's this saying, which I I really believe. My grandma used to say that a lot. I know some people that um, believe in this as well. And it's something that has helped me in the past, you know, and it's um, my grandma used to say, sweetheart, this too shall pass. And that's a really um, empowering saying, I believe, because when you are in the middle of something really hard, you take a breath and you say to yourself, this too shall pass. And you know that it will, because that's life. You know, the only certainty that we have in life is that there will be change, that things will pass, that things will morph, that nothing remains the same. Even though a lot of times we work so hard for things to remain the same. We know that things do pass, that things do change. So when you're in the middle of something really hard, at least for me, it's like saying to myself, Tatiana, this too shall pass. It gives me hope and it gives me that um, feeling of um, I can I can deal with this right now because it's not perpetual. And eventually things are going to change, sometimes for the better. Sometimes for the worse, but they do change. Um, what I struggled with this after Jason died was that feeling of even good things also pass. And of course, we want the bad things to pass, but we do not really want the good things to pass. We want them to remain, right? The problem is good things also pass. So when you are in the middle of a good season, this phrase, this too shall pass, instead of bringing hope, it can make you feel a little sad and it can make you feel a little um, guarded. Like if you don't want to completely give your heart to that joyful moment that you're living or to that person that you're with or to that experience, because if it's going to pass, and you are really attached to it, and you're really enjoying it, then if you don't prepare yourself, you might feel sadder later. At least in my mind, that kind that's kind of how it goes. The problem with that is that we do not end up really truly enjoying and embracing that joyful experience, that sweet experience that we are having in that moment. Because we, again, are going into that thing of, this too shall pass, and I'm going to be sad again, or I'm going to be alone again, or I'm going to be hurting from this when it's no longer here. And that can put us in that state of apprehension. And and then we don't um, fully embrace and appreciate 
what is right in front of us. Well, I guess what I'm what I've been thinking about lately in terms of this too shall pass is that it's for both things, the good things, the hard things, and it's okay. But what happens when, when we are stuck in this pattern of grief that we can't feel like that this too shall pass? Because I've been there. I've been in that place where... The grief is so intense and and so consuming that it feels like it's going to be perpetual. It's going to be forever. One thing is for sure. One thing is forever. The person that you lost, the person that I lost, it's not going to be here for the present or for my future. And that can feel like a life sentence. So how do we start to rebuild our lives and start to find um, things that can bring us joy, things that can bring us hope, things that can bring us strength to face the day when we are going through all of this? Well, one of the things that... Um, I find really, really helpful is um, thinking about growing in resilience. Because resilience is that interesting feeling that, that helps you to understand that there's some things in your life um, that are the hardest things that you can ever imagine going through are also some of the things that will um, bring a lot of strength and give you the um, the capacity to to grow and to become a person of fiber and character. Having said that, I must confess that when um, people would say to me, you know, you're going to grow from this experience, you're going to become so much stronger from this experience, I used to get really angry and and just feel like, why are you saying this to me? My husband died. I don't want to become stronger. I want him back. And so, yeah, it's, it's really tricky to say the least. Um, but one of the things that I do want to share today is that if, you, if resilience is your goal or not, um, grief provides an opportunity for us to either become better people, more resilient people, more compassionate people, more understanding people, or bitter people, uh, resentful people, angry people. It is not that gift the, that gift that um, that grief will give you automatically makes you a person that is um, more understanding or more compassionate is what you're doing with your grief and yes for me gift um, sorry the um, grief has become a gift because I have found ways to 
to embrace my grief and to use my grief um, that is of becoming a service to other people. And I'm not saying that everybody should do that. I'm saying that I found that way of relating to my grief. And I can honestly say that today, of course, I would prefer my husband to be here, but he's not. And so the choice I do have is how do I live my life? What are the thoughts that I permit to... um, you know, lodge themselves into my mind? What are the emotions that I'm going to nurture? How am I going to relate to the world and to people around me? Being a person that is constantly carrying the weight of grief. I have those choices. And for me, I have chosen to become someone that um, has taken my grief and does something proactive with it. And I think that the greatest source of sadness for me has also become one of the greatest purposes of my life, which is now I get to talk to people about grief. And by giving myself permission to grieve, I also automatically give other people permission to grieve their way. I don't have to fix anybody. I don't have to should on anybody. And when people can be in the presence of someone who understands the complexities of grief and they feel free to to hold their grief, to express their grief, there is just so much goodness that can come out of that. Um, so talking again in this whole thing about resilience and this idea that this too shall pass, I want to mention something that I found uh, quite, um, I think about a year after Jason passed away in one of the conversations I had with my therapist at the time. And it was um, relating to this thing of like, I didn't feel like the feelings of grief would pass. And it was around that time when people start saying, you know, after the first year, you're going to be okay. After the first year, you're going to be on the mend and things are going to be a lot better. And it had been just over a year and I did not feel better. I felt in some ways um, worse. Um, Yes, of course, the shell shock of, um, you know, the initial grief had passed but I, f- I felt um, worse. And so I felt like something is wrong with me. Why is it that after it's been over a year now and I'm not getting better, quote unquote. And so I talked to my therapist about that. And she mentioned this um, thing to me, which is kind of like the, the three P's. So the letter P. And um, when we go through difficult things in life, our ability to deal with those um, difficult things can be very much guided or determined by those three P's. And it's kind of like um, the way that we see the world. And those three P's are, number one, personalization, number two, permanence, and number three, pervasiveness. So personalization is when we think that what we are facing um, has something to do with 
the person who we are so that we are part of the problem or we are the problem. And we think about that instead of considering the other things, the outside um, forces that have caused the problem. So realizing that there are factors that is that are outside of us that has um, that have kind of like swiped us or, or given the punch to the gut, you know, in our lives, things that happen to us. Um, when we start to realize that it's not because of me that I'm feeling this way, but because of external factors, then that can help us to reduce the blame and the criticism that we put on ourselves. And when we experience grief, it is so easy to blame ourselves, to criticize ourselves, to um, actually resent even ourselves because sometimes we feel like we had a part to play or we didn't do enough for the person that we lost. So yeah, personalization is um, a way of seeing things from um, a perspective that we are the problem or we created the problem or we could have um, prevent the problem, but we didn't. Now, the second P is permanence. And permanence is when we think that the situation that we're in will last forever, that perpetual um, grief, that perpetual turmoil, right? So um, the feelings that we have in this moment are going to be here forever. So when we think about that, then we have no capacity to understand that things are changeable, that this too shall pass, you know, or this too shall morph into something else. And it's really important for us to start to recognize that even though the feelings we have in this moment about grief and loss and sadness and even anger, all of those feelings, they are not going to last forever. And it's also important to accept that if this is where we are right now, it's okay to be here. But knowing that those feelings are going to come and they're going to go, they're going to change in intensity, they are going to um, give, you know, make way for different feelings as well. But there is that fluidity in grief as well. It is not permanent. Now, the third P is pervasiveness. And this is so true when we are in grief because the situation that we find ourselves in when a loved one dies will affect every area of our lives. When my husband died, it affected me emotionally, it affected me mentally, it affected me um, physically. I became very ill, very, very sick um, for no apparent reason. You know, I lost so much weight in three weeks and I felt... Um, I, I had insomnia, I couldn't eat, um, I couldn't breathe, I had pain, excruciating pain in my body. So it definitely affected me physically. It affected the way that I related to other people. So, and I ended up 
um, losing friendships. And so it affected my social life. It affected my finances because, you know, you have two people earning. All of a sudden, you're uh, one person that cannot even go to work because I was so sick. So, of course, you go from two incomes to no income. That was so, so difficult. It affected me in, in the ways that I could think about my future. And, you know, because all my goals, dreams, plans, they all revolved around me being Jason's wife. And so now that Jason is not here anymore, um, how do I continue forward in my life? And so it affects my ability to dream about the future. It affects my ability to hope for good things to happen in my life. It affected all areas of my life. So that pervasiveness in grief is really underplayed for a lot of people that haven't experienced the loss of a loved one. But for those who are in the eye of the storm of grief, that can be so overwhelming. It can become paralyzing because there is no way to escape from it, right? And this can make really, really hard to carry on, you know, to, to face another day. So what do we do with those three Ps? Personalization, permanence, and pervasiveness. One of the things that I think is really important is to give yourself time. I do not personally believe that time heals things. I believe that time does what it's supposed to do. It passes. But as time passes, if we start to take even the smallest of actions that are healthy and proactive, with time, those actions are in, in consistency, you know, consistency is really important. Those tiny actions, they compound, right? And so I want to share with you about this um, idea that I had because I've been writing a play um, about grief. Um, and in this play, I wrote this particular scene and it had to do um, with a shark dream. Um, it came from a conversation that I was having with my beautiful friend, Miriam. And, um, you know, she was mentioning to me how, um, how from her perspective... Um, I kept on moving, even though I was hurting. So every single day, I got up and I found um, a way to put one foot in front of the other. And every single day, after, you know, three and a half years, um, compounded. And so I have taken lots and lots and lots of steps towards rebuilding my life and growing in resilience. And initially, they were not intentionally for that. I just wanted to survive. But at some point, by taking those steps consistently every single day, um, some days I didn't because some days were just really, really bloody hard. Um, but continue to moving forward, moving forward, moving forward. What has happened was that um, when I look back, I actually 
have developed some things in my life that now are calling me into thriving, not only surviving. So anyway, this shark dream that came out from this conversation with Miriam was that when she was talking to me about um, seeing me moving forward and putting one foot in front of the other, I, I made this comment. I'm like, I'm like a shark. If I stop moving, I will die. And from that, I start writing this um, scene for display. And in the scene, I talk about having a dream that I was a shark, but I was a toothless shark. And being a toothless shark, you know, you can't bite, you can't eat, you can't defend yourself. So there you are, this great big white shark, but um, basically starving. And and so um, I thought a lot about that metaphor in terms of grief. And I thought, well, if a shark stops moving, it dies. But what happens to a shark that has no teeth? You know, um, yeah, it's it's kind of scary um, to think about that, right? If um, if I am that shark, I need to keep on moving. But I I was moving without direction, and I was moving without intention, and I was moving without a goal that I could you know sink my teeth on, <laughs> pun intended. But it didn't matter because in grief, if your goal is just to survive this day, that's big enough. So putting one foot in front of the other, doing what is right in front of you, that's really, really important. But that becomes really difficult to do if the narrative um, revolve around um, negative ways of personalizing your grief experience, negative ways of seeing it as absolutely permanent, and negative ways of um, dealing with the pervasiveness of it. So I'll give you some examples um, from my personal life, right? For me, the negative patterns um, of those three Ps went a little bit like this. So in terms of personalization, I used to think, I am a bad person. So Jason was so good, I should have died instead of him. Or I would think, I'm not good enough a parent. Jason was the better parent. Um, or I think, you know, I, I am really crap at grieving. I don't know how to grieve. And I am messing this up because I don't know how to move on. And those thoughts created such a negative narrative for me that all I could think about was how I was not good enough in relationship to my husband's death. And then, of course, they spiral out of control. And I start thinking things like um, that I, I shouldn't be here, that uh, my children would be better without me, that, um, of course, 
no friends were coming around because I was, you know, a bad person and I and I did not know how to um, uh, to pull myself together, you know. So that personalization for me was very, very negative. Then what that personalization did was that created this wave of negativity into that permanent feeling that I had about my grief, which was, I will never be happy again, you know, or I will always be sad, or I can never move on, or um, my whole life is going to be a struggle. So, you know, that's, that's the a permanent, is a perpetual thing, my whole life. I will never be happy. I will always be sad. I will always struggle. Those feelings cause me, I believe, to actually be so consumed with the, that negative, hopeless vision of my future that um, no wonder I became so sick. And then, of course, all that, together with the pervasiveness of grief, um, kind of just made not only the grief pervasive, but my negativity pervasive. Because then I start feeling like, now I am failing as a parent. I am failing as a friend. I will not find another job because I'm just so sick all the time. And I will, I will just get worse. And I won't have any money. And I will feel um, like there will be nobody to look after me. And I am not good at anything. And everything that I do is terrible. I deserve this because I'm a bad person. So then I went into this cycle of toxicity. And when I talk to my counselor about this, you know, um, we did some work on that. And one of the things that I learned, and at the time, I was not open to it. Because it was almost like I felt like I deserved to hurt that I deserved what was happening to me. And when you are caught up in that, and you're sabotaging yourself, and you are punishing yourself, it becomes really, really hard to snap into um, what is the true reality of your life. That something bad has happened to you and to your family, but that doesn't mean that you deserve it. No human being deserves to go through so much pain, right? So doing some of that work with my counselor, um, one of the things that we worked was to change my perspective. And we did this in kind of like, um, instead of personalizing, for example, um, she encouraged me to find ways to detach or to become impersonal in relationship to my grief, which was really hard, right? Because I felt the grief in my bones. But having thoughts, like instead of going, instead of thinking, um, I'm not good enough, or I, um, it should have been me to die, or I'm crap at grieving, um, I would kind of replace those thoughts with um, things like, of course, I'm feeling bad because 
death it affects every human being and I'm human. Or I would, instead of saying to myself, um, I'm not doing this grief thing, well, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I would say to myself, well, people have different views and responses to grief, and this is my response right now. Or saying to myself, grief is a journey to be faced one day at a time. You know, or there is no certainty or prescription in how I should grieve. I'm learning to grieve as I go. Um, so that becoming um, a person that was able to observe my own thoughts, see where the patterns were when I was stuck in um, personalizing the grief and the badness of it um, in me, and kind of removing that and just making it like this has happened to me, not because of me, and now I am dealing with this the best I can. Even though for other people or my own expectations before were higher, um, for other people I might not be doing that well, it doesn't matter. I am putting one foot in front of the other the best I can today. With the permanent um, part of it, thinking about those impermanent um, ways of seeing the situation that we're in and the feelings that we are um, experiencing, saying things like, this too shall pass, because it's true, it will pass. And But if that's too hard to say, because believe you me, I know, I know to say this too shall pass when you are grieving. It's almost like don't take my grief away from me. You know, you, you, you want to hurt. Some people actually need to find that holding on to their grief is the last thing that they can hold on to their, per their person that died. And so to say this too shall pass sometimes can't be done. So how about if you say something like the intensity of this emotion will change or the way I'm feeling right now is perfectly fine and it's hurting me, but this won't last forever, even though it feels like it will last forever or saying things to yourself like in time, I will experience other things in my life too. For some people, this does not help, but for some people, this helps saying, my person will want me to experience joy. My person, if they were here or if I could hear them right now where they are, they would say to me, I want you to be happy. So I'm going to try for them. You know, for some people, this works. For some people, it doesn't. But just saying to yourself things that um, remind you that this, the feelings and the struggles that you're facing right now, they will pass because there were other things in your life, perhaps not as intense and not as heart-wrenching, but there were you faced hard things in your life in the past and they did pass. And you learn from them and you carry memories from them. And some of those memories might still be affecting you today, you know, 
but the experience, the intensity to how you experience it then, it changes from how you experience it now. So this, um, the only certainty in life is that everything does change, right? Now, going into the um, pervasiveness of it, thinking about this um, grief as something that goes into every single nook and crayon. You know, it's almost like, you know, when you go to the beach and you take your dog and then you put your dog in your car and then months later you find sand that you have no idea where it got to where it got and you have vacuumed the car several times but you still keep on finding the damn sand everywhere. It's like grief's a little bit like that, you know. And that's okay because grief spreads itself and and goes into all the nooks and crannies of our life, right? But becoming more specific about about it, about that pervasiveness, it's really important as well. And the specificity, I think it's going back to right now, I feel terrible and that's okay. And I am a good parent. I am a good spouse. But I'm also going through a pretty shit situation. I'm going through a terrible, terrible experience. And it's bringing out fear and anger and a lot of very conflicting emotions for me. Acknowledging that and allowing it to be what it is, is really important. Because often we try to mask the feelings that we're having, especially for women, because it's not okay for women to be angry, right? And anger is a really, really big part of grief. Your anger is telling you that something is out of line and it needs to be put right. But how can you put that right? You can't bring your person back, right? So that anger is there. And so it's important to be specific and acknowledging your feelings, but it's also important to, to accept where you are and, and to cut yourself some slack and go, you know what, I'm having a very normal human experience, which is pretty crappy and it's very hard, but it doesn't define the whole of who I am. And start remembering who you are. You know, start remembering who you are. Because we all have light and darkness inside of us. And we need both. You know, we need both. And sometimes our light, the smallest of lights, shines the brightest in the darkest of rooms. So remind yourself of who you are, even though you might have been... um, completely overwhelmed by all the feelings of darkness about your own person there's light in you find that dark find that light in the darkness and celebrate those light um, beams that you have you know they are there this experience that you're having and how you're responding to it does not define the whole of who you are and also I think it's really, really important to remind ourselves that there are still good things in our lives, even though at this moment, we might find hard to enjoy or appreciate them. Gratitude 
is so important. And of course, we're not going to say, oh, I'm grateful that my husband died or that my person died. That's stupid, you know, but we can be grateful that we that we get to live one more day, that we get to hug our friends and our families one more day. We can be grateful that even though this experience, it's just so completely fucked up, that through it, we can um, discover things about us and we can find ways to live a life that is more intentional, that's kinder, that's more proactive, that is healthier, you know? And then we keep on moving. We become like like a shark. We keep on putting one foot in front of the other. We just keep swimming, keep swimming, you know? It's important to lower our expectations because the best that we could do before a person died is very different than the best that we can do now in the trauma, you know? But by all means... Don't use that as an excuse, you know, do something, something that you choose to do. You know, if the best that you can do today is to get up from the bed and to um, go on autopilot so that you can get your kids to school and clean the house and show up for work, if that's the best that you can, that's the best that you can. Pat yourself in the back at the end of the day, you know, but do find who are your people that you can connect with? Who are um, your safe people that you, if you need some encouragement, if you need a shoulder to cry, reach out to them, you know, and remember to breathe. Remember to breathe. And also, I think it's really important to remember that, yes, um, there is a big, big difference between Embracing our grief and surrendering to the experience of it instead of fighting it and being dominated or enslaved by the negative thought patterns that arise in the grief experience. Because, you know, going back to um, that personal, permanent, pervasive um, thought patterns, they can become very, very negative. So it's really important to go back and, you know, how can I make this not about me, impersonal? How can I um, find new thought patterns to take away the permanence that, or the perpetual um, death sentence that I feel like is over me now, you know? Start thinking about those things. And be really specific, you know, like about your grief. Yes, it does affect every area of your life, but it does not define who you are and it does not make you a bad person. It just makes you a person that is now facing a whole lot of challenges that you have never faced before and that you will need to learn how to deal with them as you go, as you put one foot in front of the other. You try the terrain, you know, you put a foot here, and if it sinks, oop, step back. And then you kind of try to find another place where you can put your foot and you're not going to slip. And if you slip, give yourself some grace. Give yourself some, you know, some love and kindness. We're going to slip many times. We're going to fall many times. 
this journey of grief is not about the destination of going, oh, one day I'm not going to feel like this anymore. One day I will move on. One day, you know, I'm not going to hurt. This is not the goal. The goal is pick up that weight one day at a time and take another step and breathe through it. And then at the end of the day, just hold that, hold yourself and go, you know what? Well done. I did one more day. I don't know how. And take steps towards something that are really life nurturing for you. It might be going to a yoga class. It might be reaching out to a friend. It might be writing a journal. It might be showing up to work or find work or getting another job. You know, um, it's really, really important to keep moving because like a shark, if we don't move, we die. And our lives are too precious. Our people, our loved ones that passed away, um, they didn't get the chance to live another day. We here, we get the chance to do that. Um, so for them, for their memory, um, let's let's do the best that we can today, even if our best is pretty low standard. That's okay. That's okay. As long as we take this day and we remember to be grateful and we remember to give ourselves some grace as well. Because when we don't give ourselves grace when we are hurting, guess what? We end up... Um, not giving other people grace when they are hurting either. And we need to break that vicious cycle. I think grace, love and kindness and hope are so needed, so needed in this world. But we can't give other people what we don't have. And the truth is, even though we're hurting because we lost our person, we're still part of a collective, we're still part of a family, of a community, of a society. So that does not exclude us from being decent human beings that instead of adding pressure and pain to other people, we alleviate it and somehow we might be hurting, but that does not give us the excuse to hurt others. So when we start looking after ourselves and changing those negative thought patterns and we start to find grace for ourselves, then we are able to extend that to other people as well. And in allowing people to be hurting without having to to um, demand anything from them or from ourselves. And on that note, with a really annoying buzzing fly that has just arrived in my garage, um, I am going to say goodbye to you goodbye for now i do not know when the next podcast will come um but please share the love you know there are quite a few episodes there about 20 of them i hope that you have enjoyed this um this season i'm gonna be closing the season now and calling this the last episode for the first season i think i've done that before i don't remember um, anyway, this is officially the last episode for this season, and I am so grateful that you have been with me through this journey. I hope um, that we can meet again. 
um, do send me an Instagram message or a Facebook message. You know, you can go on um, Facebook. It's, um, um, find me on um, Crazy Grief. Or you can go on Instagram, Crazy Grief Conversations. Send me a message. I would love to hear from you. And I hope that in this grief journey, you can find lots of little pockets of um, joy, of hope, and of peace. And on that note, light and peace, everyone. We have come to the end of our episode, and I want to acknowledge you, my darling, who have been listening to this conversation. Thank you so much for your time and your attention. Chances are you found crazy grief because you are grieving the death of your person, or you want to support someone who is grieving. I am so sorry our paths have crossed in this way, but I am glad we found each other. My email is on the show notes. Please reach out. I would love to hear from you. Do subscribe to this podcast and leave us a five-star rating so we can continue to produce more meaningful conversations about grief. And remember, you're not going crazy. You're just grieving. Take a moment to breathe, reach out to someone you trust, and be kind to yourself. Light and peace. <laughs>